Welcome to the Windy City Benders Podcast, presented by Beer League Talk, with your hosts, Noe, Poetsy, Jerem, and Tanner. What is going on, guys? Um, yeah, we got a we got a big show today. You know, they let uh, me and Tanner run the show today. That's right. How's it going, bud? <laughs> it's great. You know, I had, had a nice little interview. Pretty excited about it. You guys get to hear it. Uh, we got the pleasure of having comedian Earl Skakel on, who's uh, LA born. Just like he's got shows on Adult Swim, he's been on Comedy Central. He's just LA Kings fan, big old school hockey fan. Really awesome list, and we got a good time talking to him. Good, nice chunk of time as well. So it'd be good to let you guys hear that in a little bit. Yeah, he. Uh, so we actually, we've all we found out about him like at the same time. We were up at the lake, and we threw on the the Comedy Central roast battle, and he was on the first season of that. And of course, he goes up against some of like our favorite people, Jimmy Carr, uh, K. Trevor Wilson, and just some of the funniest goddamn things I've ever heard. And it was just such an absolute pleasure talking to him. Thank you so much to our friend uh, Matt Ross uh, for <laughs> hooking that up. Rossy knows everybody. He is oh, just a baby. goddamn saint. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was a little bit of a longer interview than we typically did. Um, if you like the bowling interview, I think you're going to like this one. This guy knew what he was talking about. Um, very funny, very entertaining. Um, so we'll get into that momentarily. Um, not much going on, you know, summer. We're at that part of the uh, summer where there's just very little hockey news. Um, but we did have a big trade that, well, I don't know if it's really big, but it's one that we've been... It's a trade. Yeah, it's <laughs> one. it's one we were all expecting and we all were kind of like... I don't know in a way hoping for, um, just because it was kind of a salary cap thing. Um, but yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks have moved Artemi Nisimov to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Zach Smith. Um, they're the same age. Um, the only difference is uh, about what one point three million in cap. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Tanner, you were looking at some of their stats, um, and you kind of like were the first one giving your opinion in our group chat. What What's your initial reaction to this trade? Uh, I'm completely fine with it. I mean, you know, everybody. I've seen a lot of people always getting or just getting pissed because they're like, "How is this? Like, why would you do that? Why would Why would they trade him for like a bottom six guy?" It's like, well, you got to realize like Artem Anisimov, like as great as it is to have him on the team, it's even better to have the cap space that we could use because we still haven't signed Perlini and we can use that money to get him back. And I'd rather have Perlini on the team with the rest of the guys that we already have than trying to fill a spot for an, or find a spot for Anisimov. And I mean, the guy that they, they brought in like, sure, like doesn't put up a ton of points, but I know he's a very good defensive player, which is, going to be perfect for what we need on a penalty kill or like he's also just like a gritty kind of guy so like you bring Shaw in you bring in Zach Smith and now we got like a ton more grit on our team that's also got plenty of like experience I mean he's been in the show for like at the solid eight years at least just playing at, at least 50 games and I mean he's had a season of 25 goals <laughs> is he a 30 for 30 player for you Tanner no, he's never had over 20 assists. <laughs> but 
like he put up he put up 28 points last year on a dollar shit Ottawa team also in 70 games and Anisimov only put up like nine more points on the Blackhawks and I think the only reason that he put up as many points was I mean he got kind of moved down he wasn't really doing much but then they put him on the second power play line he didn't really play any penalty kill like I don't know there's not really anything for him like he was great when it was Panarin and Kane and him like and all he had to do was sit in front of the net and just bang pucks home because like I, I if you get a guy that's six foot four that can just do that then you're gonna do pretty fucking good on that line yeah um I know a lot of people yeah a lot of people weren't liking this trade because of the stats kind of thing too and that's where what kind of what I want to say about that is you need to realize people not you not you Tanner you know what you're talking about I know I guess <laughs> some fans need to realize too that um you're not you're making these moves not necessarily for stats, for goal scoring, for that kind of stuff. You're making these moves to p- pick up in the areas that were weak. We were extremely weak with our offensive, defensive, offensive players in our defensive zone. Zach Smith's a great guy for that. You are saving money on the cap. Like you said, that's pretty much a that 1.3 technically could probably be the Perlini contract, uh, depending on what he's looking for. Um, and then the other thing is, too, how how are you going to feel when Anisimov's putting up the same numbers that you're complaining about from Zach Smith when he's on a third, possibly fourth line role making yeah. $4.5 million? Okay, it's going. Um, I think I said mentioned it before in one of the podcasts was uh, like you need to move him too because like if it ends up being a third or fourth line guy, like you already have Shaw making $4 million. You ha- Then you have Anisimov making four point five. And then possibly Saad, if he doesn't fit in on the top like line or the second line, that's another six million. That's a fourteen million dollar like third or fourth line, or like just in the bottom six, you have fourteen million dollars, which is insane. Yeah, it's like you know, like during the season, what they had was Kajula, Taves, Kane, and then second line was what Pierlini, Brinkett, and Strom, and like they were lucky enough that their second line would cost all of what less than two million dollars right, <laughs> yeah like you can't you can't load your bottom six with three players making almost 15 million and then expect to be able to hold on to the whole second line like that like you can't you just gotta you gotta have other players that are like role players that are cheaper like zach smith that'll fit in down there that make less than four million you know yeah so and I, then... think, I think that's a good move and especially since he's a more defensive player like like Anisimov is a solid two-way player, but like he doesn't exactly excel in like anything in particular. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't really have like a deficit in anything really particular either. But that's kind of like do you you weigh the good with the bad? Like we already have like such a sick top six that we're hoping that can basically pot all the goals. I mean, you got Patrick Kane that's gonna probably get definitely a point per game right and like you you don't really need all of your bottom six guys to be like goal scorers you know do like you, you can use some more defensive players yeah do you uh do you see them making this move do you think that's a sign that they maybe got some confidence that uh kirby's gonna be playing with the big club um i don't necessarily take that this move as that's what's happening 
Um, I think it's kind of like they are giving him the chance and yeah. it's to take if he, if he shows that he can. If not, I mean, you still you can have Shaw play center. I mean, they just re-signed David Camp, and then you can have Zach Smith play center on the fourth line. Like, you can you have guys that you can move in and out of like those third, fourth line positions. It's essentially, yeah, like it's essentially one one center position right now that's like up for grabs because you got Carpenter is probably yeah. going to. Oh, that's right, and yeah. Ryan Carpenter. We we just picked him up. He's going to be like that third or fourth line. So it's basically they're just looking for that third or fourth line guy. And yeah. I just, I'm glad they made this move because it's like, I just don't want to be paying a third or fourth line center 4.5 million. I mean, I think that's the obvious move. I mean, concerned you can't move that Seabrook contract. That was the easiest right. one to get rid of. Right. But, yeah, that, one, that one's the next, like the next one that you'd want to. So I think it's a good move. Um, I'm excited to see what Zach Smith brings to the table. Um, I always get really excited when players like, have like a down season and the Hawks get them because the Hawks are kind of like the team that most people in the NHL would be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like I'm going to the Hawks. Like this is going to be awesome. Like, and then like we always say, like you're around kind of like a winning culture and like you have Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, like Brent Seabrook who have like won three championships and they know what it takes. And those guys don't slack off. Like those guys work fucking hard. Right. They have, there's like, it's kind of like, um, I, it's all just me imagining it, but like, how could you go from like a team in Ottawa who was literally talking shit about each other, like, and talking shit about their coaches last season and like, nobody fucking wants to be there. They're getting rid of like all these like star players. And like, it's just feels like, like such a shitty environment. And like, they sat, they, they like scratched Zach Smith last year for some games. And he like, I think he was wearing the assistant like he was wearing the A. They tried like, put they tried putting him on waivers. Yeah, and it's just like, like how would that want you to want to play hockey for that team? Like even if you love the sport, like that's kind of like, wow, that feels really shitty. And I mean, I'm excited. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm just excited for when we players like this kind of like, like resurgence of like or like this ability to like have this resurgence and like love playing. Like yeah, you know. Well, like, not giving up on people. Hopefully, that's gonna you know. Hopefully, that'll be more in the Strom category of type of player situation. Um, he's at. I mean, Bowman's betting a lot on a couple of those players to like. We don't need a ton of Dylan Stroms. No, but I, no, but I mean like. I'm saying like we got a couple like a couple cases now of players that are coming off of you know rough either a rough season or a rough start to the career and just haven't had their chance. Now we have we're we got a decent amount of those guys on our team now that have something to prove. Hopefully yeah. it's like, and I'm saying, hopefully it's lean towards the Strom situation and we just fucking just destroy everybody. And we're not looking at ourselves like, why the hell did we do that? That's uh it'll be something definitely I'm looking forward to seeing is like how well these players perform that we picked up, especially with knowing like, like, I mean, it goes both ways. Like, like, so, it's exciting to see how like Alex Nylander, Jack Smith play after coming off of like what they've experienced in Ottawa and Buffalo. And then we're like, hopefully they can step it up. And then it's really exciting to see like where Robin Laner's coming in, where he had such an amazing, season, like a Vesna type season. To see if he can also just keep that play yeah. like, as high as it was. Like, 
And then Strom too. Can if can he is that was that a fluke or is this really who he is? No way, no way. the bromance <laughs> just makes everything that much better. Like I fucking love the two of them. It, it just needs to be September. Training camp needs to be going, and yeah. we just need to start getting some hockey going because I'm. I don't think I've actually been this excited for a hawk season in a couple of years. Well, usually they're fucking having to get rid of people. Yeah. <laughs> now we're actually being able to acquire people, and it's pretty fucking great. Like the last time we were able to acquire like people in the off season was like when we got Hosa. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all that's going on with the Hawks talk right now. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's send it over to Earl. Yeah, I was gonna say there's also no like NHL talk either. <laughs> yeah. No RFAs or anything being signed. So. Pretty yes. slow. So we'll send it to Earl. Um, and yeah. All right, so today we have a special guest joining us. Uh, he is the voice of Barry Jelly on Adult Swim's The Jellies. Uh, he is a roast master and just an overall funny guy. Uh, please welcome comedian Earl Skakel. Then hopefully I did that right. <laughs> uh, you're one of the few who's actually gotten it right on the first shot. Awesome. Uh, I get all kinds of variations, like I was telling you guys, uh, Skankle, Skunkle, uh, Skagel. Uh, so thanks for – it's going to be a good interview because you got my last name right. <laughs> it's almost like he didn't practice it for like, I don't know, 15 minutes beforehand. <laughs> Just constantly asking me how it was. I was like, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's the worst thing you can do is try and practice saying my last name right. <laughs> So uh, I'm already. Uh, it's not that long of a name, but uh, it seems to give a lot of people problems. Hey, I got the same issue with my last name. I have every variation, and it's Jerem, but I get Jerome, Jaren. I've had <laughs> teachers argue with me that the J in my last name is silent. So um, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, but I mean, that would be a cool last name, Harem. Yeah. <laughs> become like a, a last name podcast you know i mean or we can let's talk about hockey right yeah. <laughs> i mean there's worse podcast ideas out there so uh, <laughs> so you know, never say never in the podcasting world exactly um yeah so earl you are um so we have a mutual contact that actually put us in connection um rossi he uh he writes over for hockey buzz and he said you kind of reached out because he started writing for the Kings, and he was telling me a little bit about your um, your backstory, like you know how you found the Kings and all that. Um, but first off, how what really got you into hockey? Well, I'm from Los Angeles uh, originally. Uh, not many natives in LA are from here, and uh, but in the I mean I'm 50, so in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, the King games were not on television really. I mean this was at a time where the NBA finals were literally on tape delay on Friday nights. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, it's crazy. Now they're all over the place. But when the, uh, I think the Lakers beat the uh, 76ers, and that was the very famous series where uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got hurt and Magic had to play center. Uh, that I mean, one of the most important games, some might argue the most important game ever in, in Laker history, which is pretty uh, wild statement given all the, important games they've played yeah. uh, that game was on television in los angeles at 1 a.m uh, <laughs> taped away so everyone knew the result of the game uh so you can imagine the coverage that hockey got uh if the showtime lakers were getting that kind of uh yeah, pretty much not. so uh i actually grew up somewhat of a rangers fan because 
for some weird reason, the cable system I had in my house uh, got channel uh, WOR, uh, Channel 9 in New York, and they televised probably about 30 to 40 Ranger games a year. So I was much more familiar with the Rangers uh, growing up, and I was obsessed with one player by the name of Barry Beck, who at the time, now he wouldn't be a big player at all, but back then he was 6'3", 220, uh, definitely the biggest player in the league at that time, maybe he and Clark Gillies, and he was just so good. And he had this wild, uh, what we call out here in Hollywood, a, a Jew fro is like a, a white guy Daffro. And he was, you know, he had the hardest shot in the league. He was the best body checker in the league, arguably the best fighter in the league, along with Clark Gillies. And, uh, you never got to see them fight each other because they had a handshake agreement. Unless it's really a extenuating circumstance, I won't fight you. Uh, so I just became obsessed with him and then got into, uh, you know, George McPhee, who now is, uh, of course the GM of the Vegas Knights. And, uh, I mean, the eighties was a fantastic time to become a hockey fan. Oh yeah. The, uh, the sport was so wild and, and the, you know, the rivalries were just, you know, the Nordiques and the Montreal uh, Canadians just would, each game would take three or four hours. There were so many fights and skirmishes. (laughs) So I really became uh, in love with that part of the game, uh, which is completely devoid in today's game. Yeah, it's you definitely don't have that today. There's like those games that you'll get sometimes where you see glimpses of like the past and how it used to be when like sometimes teams just like absolutely hate each other for whatever reason. And it's just like 200, 300 probably minutes in a game. And like those are always so fun to see still. But definitely far and few between, like it, not like it used to be. That's- yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I watch uh, regular season hockey now, and it's like the games are a glorified scrimmage, mm. uh, you know. And and that's why I still love playoff hockey because that's about the closest things you you'll get in terms of what the old days were like. It's just, uh, you know, there were some great series this year. You know, Columbus and oh, yeah. Tampa was. They didn't fight a lot, but I don't think they fought at all. But it was, uh, you know, you had to fight for every square inch of ice. And, you know, uh, the Stanley Cup finals uh, wasn't, I don't think there was a fight. I, I don't think there was a fight in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it was it was very emotional. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying I expect bench-clearing brawls in every game. But, uh, you know, the regular season is, is pretty boring hockey uh, it's, uh, in it's- this era. It is, yeah, this, what are you talking about? I mean, we grew up watching 90s hockey, so, I mean, we kind of got a little spillover of, of the 80s and all that. And I would say now it's like, I, I do love the game. I love just seeing the skilled players out there. I mean, we get to watch Patrick Kane every night kind of thing. But it's like at the same time, it's like I kind of feel bad for the new fans because there's just something about that grit hockey, old school hockey that it's just it's just a completely different level than what this game is now and i almost wonder if like some of the some of the new fans would appreciate it as much if they you know knew the history of the game like that oh which is what makes youtube great if yeah. you go uh mm. and i get no money uh from uh directing people to this particular video but it, it's a, a nine minute barry beck highlight clip and it's probably like 30 of his hits, a couple of his fights, but every single hit would be a penalty in this uh, era. Uh, I mean, he's running guys, he's jumping at them. 
um, you know, clotheslining them, not getting called. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, but it, the emotion that that evoked, because then the other team, uh, you know, there was one play where he literally picked up Bob Gould of the Washington Capitals, picked him up and just threw him into the boards and just the uh, next two minutes of that game was like, it was like a kiss concert. It was so exciting because then you get the Capitals riled up and then the Rangers, you know, and, and, and back then, like, you know, like in the Rangers case, you know, they had five, six tough guys on the team. Like, you know, you, just, you had Beck, you had a guy, uh, Ed Hospidar, you had uh, Ron Greshner was a tough guy, George McPhee, uh, Chris Katsopoulos, uh, the Maloney brothers. I mean, nowadays, you're lucky if you have one guy. Yeah, and that guy also has to be able to skate fast and pretty much do something else besides just fighting. If they're going to be, yeah, I mean, like the Blackhawks had a guy in in the eighties uh, by the name of uh, Wayne Van Dorp, who I don't think he literally didn't start skating until he was like fifteen, uh, <laughs> but but he was so fun to watch because he was just like sloth from the Goonies out there, you know, and, and you might argue it's maybe better you get you know rid of guys like that, you know, uh, but uh, I still kind of selfishly miss guys like him in the league just because you knew when he was out there something was going to go down oh yeah it was a more of that self-policing time of hockey too where like if if something went wrong those enforcers are coming out and they're they're going to make it right like that was always like crazy exciting to watch when that was still going on in like the early 90s and like mid 90s too just <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even in the 90s, you guys, like you said, got a little taste of it. You had guys like Christoph Oliwa still playing, and, you know, Scott Stevens was uh, certainly more than just a fighter. But, uh, you know, the Kings always had a couple tough guys. You know, they had Troy Crowder at one point, and Jay Miller, and, uh, you know, they have. Uh, they always have had fairly tough teams. Even now, they are one of the few teams that employs a tough guy that, by the name of Curtis McDermott, who's I'm so old. I remember his dad Paul playing. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of a sad time for people who like the uh, rougher element of the game, which is basically being uh, policed out of the really all of hockey. It's yeah. Starting even in junior hockey now, I think they kick you out if you have one fight. Yeah. All the players have to have a face shield on in juniors now. So uh, that I think prevents a lot of fights because the kids don't want to hurt their hands so uh it's, it's definitely a different uh style of hockey than i grew up with yeah usa hockey you're not even allowed to start checking until you're a bantam which is like eighth grade freshman year of high school did they change that it was like two <laughs> or three years ago they made that change which oh, which blows my mind because canada you can start doing that when you're a squirt which is like what eight nine right, years old like 10 yeah or like eight or nine or something. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and that's why they kick our ass in hockey <laughs> in almost every tournament. Uh, but you know, it, it's just uh, it's just I kind of get sad when I talk about it because <laughs> I just remember the games were so emotional back then, and even in the nineties, uh, you know, it was still pretty uh, pretty rough and tumble style. But now it's. You know, tough guys, uh, agitators are the new tough guys, guys like Brad Marchand and, yeah. uh, you know, Matthew Alex uh, Burroughs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, if, if he was 
playing against the Kings in the mid eighties and you elbowed, uh, you know, Larry Murphy, who was the best defenseman on the Kings for a little bit in that era, you would have had Jay Wells killing him. You would have had Dean Kennedy going after him. You would have had Tiger Williams. You would have had six, seven guys going after him. Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't even think, uh, I think in the next game they played Calgary. I think who? I think Clifford and uh, McNabb fought him, uh, Braden McNabb. But like, yeah, he, you know, he kind of. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I can't fault guys like Kachuk and uh, Marchand and a couple others. Like, that's how the league's gonna go, uh, and you can excel and not being tougher than the next guy, but just being uh, a bigger dick. Uh, <laughs> why not? Yeah, I mean, we. Yeah, if, if that's helping your game and you're putting up points, I mean, bringing other people off of their game, like if it works, it works, right? I mean, I know the Kings have a 21 year old kid they got from Toronto in the uh, Jake Muzzin uh, trade. His name's uh, Carl Grundstrom. Yeah, you know, he'll be uh, if all things uh, work out. Hopefully, uh, he'll be like the Kings Thomas Holmstrom, where he's not oh. necessarily dirty, but. He crosses the line, arguably. Uh, but that's the kind of player now that teams want, is someone who can score goals and maybe uh, scare the other team, uh, that they'll be hit from behind if you turn your uh, you know, back on the guy. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of sad that uh, that's uh, what I have to look forward to is instead of a good <laughs> fight, maybe, maybe there'll be a dirty hit. Yeah. That's, you still see that sometimes, like now, which just sucks too. Like if you, it's like a dirty hater or, or even a clean hit that's like pretty big. There's not a lot of guys that you see like answering the bell for it because they'll either back down or no one on the other team will want to like actually drop the mitts with them, which kind of sucks. You always used yeah, to- I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if Marchand played in the '80s or, or <laughs> even a little earlier, the late '70s, uh, you you would he. Better hope he played on the Flyers. You had like seven or eight guys. Uh, that's, or the that's Rangers. A, that's a short uh, career if he's in that if time period. He played on a weaker team, like say the Atlanta Flames, where they didn't have a lot of tough guys. Uh, he would have been decapitated. I was thinking on one of those tougher teams, and he goes around kissing and licking people. He might get his ass beat by his own teammates. Oh yeah, I mean his uh, own. I mean, and I've heard from people in the know. I guess hockey reporters i know that he you know most of his own team doesn't like him uh but you know when they're winning stanley cups i'm sure they i mean he is a great player you know for sure in his case that's the most frustrating thing uh, about it is that he's so good that he doesn't need to be doing that little licking and kissing and all that stuff if you want to be an agitator go for it but don't do like the little like little crap like that that's what's frustrating with that guy yeah, and then you could see the same kind of qualities in uh, Kachuk and Calgary, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and even almost to a, a smaller degree, his brother who plays on uh, Ottawa, uh, actually the whole Kachuk family. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they don't have to be like that, but I think they feel personally it, it makes them the player who, who they are. I mean, I can only imagine if Marchand just concentrated on playing, he could probably get 140 points. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, I remember, like, thinking about it, it's like, yeah, that's who, you know, player, people now, the new fans, they see that, like, oh, that's the big tough guy, and it's like, we grew up, I know me, Tanner, and all, we grew up, Bob Probert was our guy, and oh, yeah. it was just, like, he, first off, I met, I was able, fortunate enough to meet him before he passed, the nicest guy in the world, I've met superstar players that are the complete 
biggest dicks and the goon that, you know, probably doesn't know what the hell's actually going on is sitting there having conversations. I was like 10 years old and he was sat there and talked with me for 45 minutes. Coolest guy in the world. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, uh, he was the king. He's, you know, he was the Mike Tyson uh, of, uh, you know, my era for sure. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a sad way he ended yeah. uh, his life, you know, especially dying in front of his family. I mean, I can't imagine uh, the nightmares that they it probably have to this day, uh, just that visual of him in a boat having a heart attack. Uh, mm. But, you know, there's a great documentary on him that I just saw. Um, I think it's on Amazon. Uh, and, you know, they had his family on, and you obviously know that they were going to be sad. But then they interviewed guys like Ty Domi, and he's crying. Uh, and Troy Crowder, you can see him welling up and, you know, there's a Craig Cox, who's uh, actually, I think, the only NHL player ever from uh, Chula Vista, California. But, uh, you know, he's known mainly for his three fights he had with Probert. And you could see the impact of his death on those guys because they were all kind of welling up and, in Domi's case, out and out crying. Uh, so, uh, a, you, know, it's a, you know, those 80s enforcers, they usually don't end very well. No. Yeah. But I mean, it just shows like this what this game is. This game's a brotherhood kind of thing too. It's like no matter what, it's you know they're they're there for each other in the end too, which is just another reason why I, th I think this is just such the greatest game in the world because I don't think too many other sports you can go out there beat the crap out of the guy and then go have a beer with them afterwards. Yeah, well, I think most of them have literally been playing since playing with each other since you know, ten years old. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, Probert and Crowder played against each other in the minors and in juniors and you know uh, so there's a brotherhood of sorts that you know like well I guess if we're on opposite sides we, we have to fight but uh, I'll see you at the teddy bar after the game <laughs> which I think is where Probert ended up most nights oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man when I mean, you talk about a tough team I mean the Red yeah. Wings uh, you know, coach, because that was the crazy thing about Probert is if you beat him, the few guys that actually beat him, like, you know, Todd Ewan or uh, maybe a couple other guys, I mean, Chris Tamer, and, uh, you know, if you beat him, you had to fight Koser, <laughs> you know, and, and then you knew you had to probably fight Probert again because he w would want a rematch. So like, can you imagine being a tough guy playing the Red Wings uh, in the mid 80s? Like that, I mean, you probably didn't get any sleep that week. Oh, no. That's yeah, gotta be rough stuff. I, I remember. I mean, just listening to like other like players tell their story about like being fighters in the NHL and like saying like there's nights where they just would not be able to go to sleep beforehand because they knew they had to fight the next day is just absolutely crazy to me. So I can't imagine when it's like early '80s things like that when you're fighting every every game basically. Just oh yeah, and because like I said, you know, each team back then. Or I would probably at least say eighty percent of the teams had anywhere from three to six guys on the team who could fight. If you look at some of those uh, Quebec Nordique teams in the in the mid to late eighties, my God! I mean, they had you know Darren Kimball, uh, you know Van Dorp played on them, Basil McRae, Ken McRae, uh, 
you know, uh, Craig Smith, I mean, all on the same team, like the Robert brothers, uh, you know, just, uh, there's, uh, I used to collect hockey fight tapes and, and probably the most mm-hmm. sought after tapes in the, in the hockey fight, uh, collecting world were the uh, Nordique training camps because they would invite like six more guys to get those guys going. So, uh, it was just like the octagon on ice in Quebec city. Would you say that uh, you're you're a hockeyfights.com fan? Oh yeah, I mean I uh, I go on all the usual sites, you know, hockeyfights.com, uh, hockey-fights.com, uh, <laughs> you know, drop dropyourgloves.com, and then that's the great thing about YouTube is uh, you, know, you can go on YouTube and just put in pretty much any fight, you know, uh, yeah. Darren Kimball versus Rudy Poshek, and there's a high def. Uh, you know, clip of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, Rudy Poshek was another guy who got me into uh, really uh, following certain tough guys because uh, he would get into a fight, and whether he won or lost, he would put his hands in the air like Rocky after every fight. <laughs> just <pump laughs> the crowd the just. What? <laughs> well, he was great, and uh, he developed such a cult personality that even David Letterman had him on. Uh, uh, the show once he he pointed him out in the crowd. He's like, "Hey, you're Rudy Poshek," and like you know, <laughs> wouldn't figure David Letterman was a hockey guy, but uh, you know, but you know, that's another guy who from the mid, probably mid to late '80s. Uh, you know, he he ended up like homeless, and you know, uh, there's another guy out here, uh, Matt Johnson, who was a real big tough guy for the Kings, is is literally homeless in Santa Monica now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the league does not take care of these guys too well. No, and that's like that's one thing too that I know. I don't know how much you follow like hockey, like social media, and all that. Like Daniel Carcillo is just lighting up anybody and anybody and anybody who he can reach out to about talking about CTE and all that kind of stuff, and how the league needs to just start taking care of these players a little bit. Um, do you think it is the kind of like on the league to be doing this kind of stuff for these guys, or do you think it's kind of like? They they should know basically coming into it, especially if they're going to play that that rough style. I mean, it's I think all of them have a certain responsibility. It's the league, it's the individual teams. I mean, you look at Bob Probert, you know the Red Wings and Blackhawks made a lot of money off of him and jersey sales and ticket sales and you know Matt Johnson was a very popular player in the Kings because he was like seen at one point I think is the heir apparent to Probert you know just because he was a monster I think he came out of uh, Peterborough in the OHL where he was the champ and he was just 6'5 240 just a giant teenager uh, and I don't see the Kings or the league anyone helping him I mean he's literally right now homeless in Santa Monica uh, no help no nothing uh, you know, his parents don't even know how to, because there, there was an article in the uh, LA Times about yeah. him, I think maybe a year ago. And, uh, you know, I, I think Carcillo, I think Carcillo burned a few bridges when he was playing in the league, you know, because he was kind of one of those, like a precursor to Marchand, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's the best uh, ambassador yeah. to talk about what he's talking about, you know, just cause he probably caused a fair amount of concussions <laughs> himself the way he played. That's uh, true. He did. He has spoken out about that though too. And about like 
the way that he played and he's come to like i don't know try and reconcile that and like trying to get people to understand just like how much it fucks with people really and like yeah i mean it's just he's almost kind of like the little boy who cried wolf it's like well dude look at how you played and you know, now that it's, you know, affecting you in a negative way, you're, you're speaking out about it, but you weren't speaking out about it when you were hitting guys from behind or, you know, uh, maybe in a fight and you hit the guy when he was, you know, defenseless. Uh, so, but I, I do like what he's doing, you know, yeah. I, in one hand, he's the perfect guy to talk about it because he's going through it and he's lost. I know he's very good friends with Steve Monador who died, uh, and uh, he, he probably knew Wade Belak and a couple other boys who died. So I just think because of the style that he himself played that, you know, I think people are not as accepting of his positions. If it has, if it, you know, like Sidney Crosby spoke out about it, I think, oh, well, you're, you weren't a dirty player. You, you weren't a tough guy. You, you probably, uh, it's coming from the heart more yeah. than let's say from Carcillo. So um yeah so let's uh I'll change it to, uh up a little bit or get a little uh, happier topic maybe <laughs> um, yeah yeah what a great topic to talk about <laughs> for forty minutes uh, NHL yeah. tough guys killing themselves <laughs> what's uh the next topic the Holocaust yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so you so you grew up in L A and you were, so you were around the time that the team was uh, coming into the league um did you <laughs> about how you like the rangers for a little bit um how did you start liking the kings <laughs> yeah um well so my what i was gonna bring up is um obviously i mean ice is hard to get out there i'm assuming still now it's hard to get out there um were you able to play at all growing up or do you, oh, yeah, do you skate yeah. now I, mean, I have uh an nhl speed slap shot but uh <laughs> unfortunately my skating style my the guy who used to give me lessons was like earl you skate like Mick jagger walks <laughs> Uh, so I was not a good skater, uh, but I have a really, really hard shot. It's like Goldberg from the mighty ducks. It's it's unexplainable how I get the power behind it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, ice time, I mean, in the seventies and eighties is like, there was literally two ranks in Southern California. Uh, there was uh, one where the Kings would practice in a place called Culver city. And then uh, one actually in Santa Monica, which is a beach community out here. Uh, and then when Gretzky came, uh, ice rinks started popping up like Starbucks. I mean, they were everywhere. Uh, and then when he left, they, you know, a couple of them went out of business. So, uh, I mean, there's a fair amount out here now. Uh, and, you know, they, there's a bit of a resurgence when they won uh, two cups in three years. Uh, you know, I mean, hockey was the sport for, you know, probably four or five years out here recently. Uh, and then, uh, you know, now they've started somewhat losing again. And so it's back to, you know, uh, almost an apathetic attitude toward the team. But, uh, you know, they had a good draft this year. So hopefully uh, they turn it around a little quicker. They have a lot of bad contracts on the team. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, uh, you know, they're in a similar position as to the Blackhawks. You know, we've got Kane and Taze and Seabrook and Keith. I mean, those are four huge contracts. Uh, so it's hard to maneuver, uh, you know, especially for the Kings because, you know, they sold their souls to the devil to win those cups with, you know, uh, Car- Carter's contract and yeah. Gabbert's contract. Wow. Uh, 
but you know, Gabrick in that second cup run, he he's probably the reason they won because he was scoring a lot of goals. So it's, you know, it's, would you rather have two cups or none and a good uh, salary cap situation? Yeah, exactly. That's the same with the Blackhawks. Like, do you want the cups or no? Like, I would gladly be in cap hell every season if we had just won the cup the previous season. But uh, yeah, I about- mean, it's a tough. Uh, you know, it's pick your poison. You know, what do you want? Uh, and you know, with the Kings, uh, there's some other situations that you know the Voinov, uh situation really is probably still affecting this team, uh, even though he hasn't been in the league in five years. You know, they had to make a lot of trades to try and find a replacement for him and they never really found one. I mean, they traded a first round pick to Edmonton to get Andre Sukara. I'm sorry, Carolina. Uh, and, uh, you know, that didn't work out. He only played 12 games here and got hurt. And then he left uh, the Kings to go to Edmonton. So, you know, that's, you know, a first round pick you didn't get to use. Uh, and then there was other trades uh, that right. they made, you know, so it's uh, the point off situation still is affecting them. Yeah, their, their team's uh, catching catching a little bit of the age bug as well. Like players, players got those contracts still, and ever, like it seems like most of the stars on that team are in their thirties to mid thirties at this point. It's getting harder for them to push like they were the earlier, like twenty tens. Uh, yeah, just- I mean their problem is, uh, you know, they're not completely over the hill. So you know, like Jonathan Quick, he's only thirty four. Like that's not. I mean, it's not young in the NHL, but it, he's still one of the better goaltenders in the league. Uh, you know, Carter's in his early, or he's probably about the same age, maybe 33-ish. Uh, you know, and, and they're in the worst position you can be in where they're, they're not completely awful. Uh, and they have enough good players that, you know, they're always going to kind of be sniffing around the middle of the pack, which, you know, in the NHL, I guess in any league, you either want to be really good or really bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very true. You know, it's just, you know, it's just unfortunately that's the way the system is set up. So if you're like saying that 12th through 24th position in the league, uh, you're going to be drafting always in the middle of the first round, maybe the tail end of the first round, and you're just not going to get a difference maker. Uh, you know, just so you either have to tank or, you know, just be so bad you're not even tanking. You're just a bad team, which is <laughs> the Kings were kind of in the middle last year. You guys got lucky with – Yeah, uh, they had a bad, you know, luck with the lottery balls. I yeah. mean, you guys went from yeah, we 12 got, to number two. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great, though. I mean, I do think it's a fair system. I mean, it's, it's that way for everyone, and unfortunately for the Kings – I think they had the second highest chance of getting the number one pick and then, you know, uh, fell to number five and they still got a really good player. Yeah, so I was say you guys got, loss, yeah, you guys got really lucky yeah, with you know, Turcotte. I'm sure they would have rather have had Kako or Hughes. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, Turcotte's a nice consolidation prize. Yeah. That whole top five was going to be great anyway. Like, I mean, at least like the top seven, definitely great players all around. Number one and two, we're going to be clearly those two, but like with the Hawks, that was always the biggest story for us was just like, who are they going to take? Who are they going to take? And then they still just completely like <laughs> did something we didn't even think about. We're like, Oh, okay. That sounds good. Still like he's going to be a good player. 
Like that's like. I mean, I thought they would go after the young defenseman Byram. Yeah. Uh, because, because they are a little older on the defense on the defensive core, uh, and I, I thought actually uh, Byram was going to go to the Kings because I, I thought well Colorado doesn't need another young defenseman. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's uh, rumors that uh, you guys were going to get Turcotte uh, right. and that we were going to get the guy you got, Doc. <laughs> uh, but uh, for whatever reason, they liked Doc better than Turcotte. And then Colorado went, uh, I don't know if it was completely against the grain, but uh, they picked the young defenseman. So Turcotte kind of fell to us. Uh, but I'm excited about the Russian kid they got in the second round who had uh, 51 goals. You're right. Or not. Uh, uh, well, they got the Swedish uh, defenseman at 22. Uh, yeah. I, I might be mispronouncing his name, and I feel bad after giving you guys shit for my name. Uh, B, <laughs> Bjorfurt, or uh, B-J-O-F-O-R-T, so however you say that. Bjorfurt? Uh, it's probably Bjorfurt. Uh, Yeah, Tobias. Uh, but then, uh, you know, there's only two kids this year who had 50 goals. Uh, you know, Caulfield, who went to Montreal, and uh, the, the Russian kid, the Kings drafted uh, in the second round. So uh, I thought they had a really good draft. Uh, so, of course, in L.A., though, in the middle of July, I don't think there's a lot of buzz about the Kings draft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, we're signing, you know, and the, the Lakers are getting Anthony Davis, the Clippers are getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So it was the, the Kings draft, uh, even though I thought it was – arguably the best out of all the teams. Uh, and I'm not a complete homer, you know, but I, I really think they got three super strong players uh, was not high up on the news reports in the local news. So how, how frustrating is that kind of being like, you know, this, this hockey, this diehard hockey fan and just being in a city where it's, you're like, yeah, like this is awesome. Like, let's go. And it's just nothing. I mean, you just in LA. There's just too much to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to win, uh, no matter what sport. I mean, uh, and when the Kings win, it is a hockey town. Uh, but uh, like I said, I mean, this summer is the perfect example of, uh, you know, the Lakers and Clippers probably were the two most uh, newsmaking teams in the NBA with what they did and. You know, the Dodgers, I think, are in first place. I mean, the Angels are doing okay, you know, but they have Mike Trout, maybe the, the greatest player in baseball in the last 20 years. Uh, you know, you've, you've got the Galaxy out here, which are you know, very popular in the soccer world. Uh, you got the Rams. So it, yeah, the Rams, and the Rams are Super Bowl contenders. You've got the Chargers, who, I mean, no one really cares about in, in L.A., <laughs> but they're a very good team. Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit of a resurgence with Charger talk in the new stadium. You know, because right now they literally are playing in the Galaxy Stadium. Uh, and it's just, no, and it's in a area of L.A. that, you know, it's kind of in between Orange County and uh, LAX. It's, it's like in a, a dead spot in terms of where people want to go in Los Angeles. Uh, so, uh, you know, hockey news, you know, I don't think there's, too many players that could even if the Kings went out and got Ovechkin which is not going to happen I don't mean to <laughs> you know, but like he's probably the most popular player in the league oh, I don't yeah. even think that would make news uh, if they insane. got him that is crazy uh, you know the I, NHL just I, doesn't I, have that many named stars that I, would I, cause I, a buzz in LA anyway 
was gonna say I didn't realize until now that LA basically has two teams for every sport besides hockey. When they yeah, and then plus you've got the Ducks, whatever they do. Although I don't think there's a lot of uh, competition. You know, I don't think the Ducks, you know, really compete with the Kings in the news department. Just because it's you know they're in Orange County, which is a suburb of L.A. to the south, uh, but you know it it is another team uh, that you have to kind of fight for for you know the market share, uh, even though it's pro- probably about seventy five miles between us. Mm. So, uh, but it's just another sports team that you have to kind of compete with, and then you've got the entertainment, you know, mecca of the world, arguably. So, you know, if you have a choice of going to see a losing hockey team or, you know, going to a movie or whatever, you're probably going to pick the movie. Yeah. Jeez. It's a lot of, a lot of things going on there. <laughs> so, the least. yeah, yeah. What's going on over there? What, what's going on in Chicago? Chicago uh, is. Nothing. Baseball. That's, <laughs> all, that's all we got going on right now. Baseball. That's enough. Well, you guys have the Cubs. You have the White Sox. I mean, you guys are almost in a similar position. You know, you've got two uh, baseball teams. You know, you've got a, a you know iconic basketball team. Uh, you know, the Bears. You know, so uh, you know, there's. I'm sure the Blackhawks. You know, face a somewhat similar of a situation as the Kings, where you know oh. if you start losing, people just find something else to uh, spend their money on. It's just it's worse out here because I mean people still show up to games like we still have our sellout streak and all that even then when they were playing absolute garbage the last three years, but the thing that gets gets me the most frustrated here is the um, everybody that's been watching hockey for five years are now coming experts on what the Hawks need to do to uh, get back to their glory days, and that's like the most irritating thing from from my for me personally, just like threads everywhere it's just like okay i I'm no more internet for me today yeah i mean uh well i just think you get unreasonable fans uh and that's probably in every city that you know trade why don't we trade for austin matthews well it's gonna cost your whole team uh you know and i know there are some king fans who's like why didn't we make a play for panera and it's like you know all the bad contracts you have on this team uh, you want to bring in an eleven million dollar contract uh, a year, uh, you know? So, it, 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 well, I just think fans are unrealistic. Oh yeah, I'm fairly realistic. Like, yeah, you know, sure, I'd love if, if the Kings went out and got Panarin because uh, he is kind of exactly in the age range of what you want. You know, twenty seven years old, he's in his prime. He'll be in his prime probably for the next five years, but. uh you know, he makes too much money, you know, for the Kings anyway, and probably for the Blackhawks. I mean, I mean I'm sure they kick tires on them too, but, you know, the yeah. Rangers don't have a lot of horrific contracts outside of Shattenkirk. So, uh, you know, he was the perfect fit money and, and probably uh, skill-wise for them. Just the lifestyle that he was looking for too. He really wanted to be in a big city on the East Coast. Um and that just ended up working out really well for him, which is pretty nice. I mean, we would have loved to have him back in Chicago. You know how much we like to get the band back together all the time, <laughs> even though we didn't win a championship with him. But, like, we love bringing back our old players. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the Kings do that, too. But, you know, I thought – and I'm sure they 
probably lobbed him a phone call because in L.A. we have an amazing uh, Russian community, which I know was very important to him. Uh, and it's actually just to the east of where I live. It's like if you're Russian and you're either moving uh, here from Russia or, you know, you're looking to uh, ingratiate yourself into a Russia-like community, L.A. is... Uh, I would say maybe short of Florida is the, the top Russian community. Uh, but I know there's one in New York that I'm sure he'll enjoy. And, uh, you know, I, I think L.A. is a great place for free agents because you can kind of play an anonymity out here. You know, most of the players live by the beach. I'm sure they go to the beach on off days or whatever, and, and no one knows who they are. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's kind of the best of both worlds. And, you know, that's why for – you know, especially when they were winning, they had no problems getting free agents because I live on the beach, make the money I make, and I won't be hounded by, you know, overzealous fans because there really aren't any. Uh, yeah, sign me up. But, you know, now that they're losing a little bit more than they were a couple of years ago, it's, it's probably a tough sell. I don't know if uh, Panarin's going to make it to the season. Uh, there's comments that he just made just came out to basically uh, talking trash about Putin. So uh, we'll see if he makes it to opening night. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's not really a guy you want on your bad side. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe he can talk to Trump and they can work out a deal <laughs> where uh, he, w- he won't get poisoned, uh, you know, before the uh, first preseason game against the Islanders. Or maybe Putin will pay one of the Islanders to take him out. So how do you... How, how do you feel? Because I I have my opinion on this. When the Hawks were winning the arc, we were winning their cups. Kings were winning their cups. The rivalry between the Hawks and the Kings was probably some of the best hockey that was played in a long time. Do you, do you feel the same way about that? Oh yeah, I mean it was a great. Uh, you know, if you look at that, you know, five year run, it was either the Kings or the Blackhawks were winning the cups. Uh, it was awesome. You know, it always uh, <laughs> probably would have been a bit better of a rivalry if they were a little closer to each other geographically. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, obviously for us, the Ducks would probably be uh, the best example of that. Uh, although, uh, you know, they've never really been uh, at that level of where they were winning cups at the same time. Uh, like for us, it's probably the Kings and the Sharks is, is the best. uh rivalry for us just because it's, it's you know a two maybe a two-hour plane ride up there so it, it, you have a, a fan base goes both ways to see their uh, team uh but yeah obviously there's a great rivalry with the blackhawks because you know you had kane and taze in their prime and you know dowdy and kopitar in their prime and the goaltenders were pretty even and uh you know two big physical teams you know that, those are probably the two of the last outside of the blues this year where it was like grinding hockey was the style that was in vogue. So, uh, you know, when you have two teams play the same style, only one can win, especially if they're in the same conference. So it was, uh, it was a nice run for both teams. I want 2014 back so bad. I want that <laughs> almost quick versus Crawford fight. I wanted that to happen so badly. <laughs> they, like when when it was going down in that Western Conference final series. Oh my god. That was just the most exciting hockey I've seen in so long too. Like unbelievable. 
Yeah, I mean, they had a mutual respect for each other. I mean, uh, but, you know, you could tell when the game was on, there was a, a borderline hatred. Because both teams knew that to win the cup, you had to beat the, that other team. Uh, you know, it's not like the Sharks or the Ducks or, uh, you know, the Coyotes were the team you had to go through. It, I mean, every team in the Western Conference knew that if you were going to get to the cup finals, let alone win it, you had to beat either the Kings or the Hawks. So, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's probably the last many dynasties uh, that we'll see. Just because the Hawks won what three in six years, yeah. yeah. Kings won two and three, and uh, you know, I really think that uh, you know that that middle cup, the Kings, uh, I think lost to you guys in the uh, the, the double overtime. Uh, that Stoll doesn't get hurt and Voinov, I think he was hurt as well. You know, if they could have won three cups in a row, you know, that, you know, could have been the dynasty talk, but uh, they didn't. So, uh, I mean, you kept us three con- cups in a row as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, it's been a while since you've seen two teams. It was either one team or the other winning the cups. Uh, and, uh, but who knows, you know, they're, they're both kind of going through the same growing pains now with the, the contracts and the older players so uh maybe they'll uh you know start winning again at the same time and kind of revisit the rivalry yeah hopefully their timeline matches up again especially since we both just got like a top five pick this year so like maybe we'll start rolling it back for back into like meeting each other in the playoffs pretty soon that'd be pretty great yeah i mean it's uh i think they're both in that unfortunately that dead spot of like I mean, drafting in the middle because they're they're both good enough where they can make the playoffs this year, this upcoming season. You know, which is you almost don't want that. I, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds weird to say that because you know we're all of us are fans, so yeah. we want them to win. But at least in the Kings' case, they probably need another top five pick to to get the rebuild in full swing. You know, which is why this year's draft lottery really was like a kick in the balls. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't think they were going to get the first pick. You know, it's that ah, we're not that lucky, but we'll get Caco. That's good enough. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's something that could add another two, three years onto the rebuild going from two to five in the order. So, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's a fair system. So hopefully Turcott and Doc for you guys can, uh, you know, get it going. Absolutely. It's going to be uh, will be something to keep an eye on in the next few years, you know? No, oh, for sure. And, like, with the Kings, anyway, I don't think the Hawks are going to trade Kane or Taze or, no. you know, maybe one of Dunk or Seabrook. But uh, If someone wants Seabrook, they can the take Kings, him. You know, they have several players. They can, uh, you know, Carter would look good on a, on a team that, you know, needs goal scoring for the playoffs. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Quick would – you know, they, we have two really good young goalies in the system out here. So, you know, Quick would, you know, maybe be a nice consolidation prize to the teams who lost out on Bobrovsky. Uh, you know, it, it, so uh, Kings, I think, have a few tradable assets. You know, Martinez is often rumored to be going. Uh, so, uh, you know, like the Muzzin trade for the Kings was really good. I mean, we got three prospects for him. So, uh, you know, if we could do maybe one more trade like that, with a team desperate to get into the playoffs or, you know, make a mark in the playoffs like Toronto wanted Muzzin. Uh, that'd 
that can help accelerate the rebuild out here big time. Definitely. All right, Earl, well, took enough, enough of your time today. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Um, where, where can our listeners like find you on like social media and all that kind of stuff? Well, I better spell my last name, but like just on like uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Earl Skakel, which is just E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. And uh, obviously, like everyone else, I have a podcast and it's really simple, just called Inappropriate Earl. And uh, kind of, uh, to be honest with you, the guests are uh, really anyone who can come to my house and record. So it's just, <laughs> I've been lucky enough to have like Theo Fleury and Dustin Penner. Oh, oh no uh, way. That they actually were in my house. Uh, <laughs> I, so there's a fair amount of hockey talk. And I also have a lot of uh, musicians on from like some of my favorite bands from the 80s. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of uh, roast battle related uh, episodes and uh, uh, stand up in general. So if, if you want a podcast, it's about everything but nothing at the same time check it out i was and, uh thank I, you guys for having me on and thank you to uh, rossi for setting this up yeah it's definitely you know we'll gotta have you on again soon and we'll get uh we'll get rossi on here too and uh, probably have a nice solid two-hour conversation with uh everybody on that one <laughs> yeah yeah get me and uh k trevor wilson on at the same time oh, we'll do a roast battle over the phone that would be amazing that'd be pretty sick <laughs> okay trevor's a good man he he, he was uh incredibly tough opponent and one of the nicest guys in comedy like in life really like the guy's so nice you're like you can't be like this what, what's your angle dude? <laughs> the stereotypical canadian no but he's so nice. i can't express to you how nice that guy is so uh you know it's it like goes back to what we were talking about like hockey tough guys not liking each other uh all the people i've roast battled people think i don't like them and I don't like K. Trevor Wilson or Jimmy Carr, and I love all of them. There's, it's just you know, it's like a hockey fight. It's just business. Exactly. That's uh, so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Earl. Thank you so much again for coming on. And um, like I said, if you ever want to come talk hockey, you know, let let us know. Open invitation whenever you want to come on. Yeah, maybe we'll do something before the season starts. You know, like a preview of uh, you know all the. The third and fourth line players that are going to be playing for probably both teams this year. Definitely. Uh, um, so I'd love to. I had a lot of fun, and thank you guys. All right. Thank you, man. Have a good one. All right, boys. Have a good night. You too. You too. All right. Thanks again, Earl, for uh, coming on. Um, it was an absolutely fantastic talk. Um, I love talking old school hockey. Um, yeah. He was still talking hockey in general with anybody that knows what they're talking about. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, he knew like he was, we were, we were talking about this after we didn't want, I didn't want to admit to him, but he was dropping some names that I didn't even recognize. I was like, holy shit. That, that's that old school hockey stuff, man. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like when, when like 20 years down the road, like we'll be able to like, I'm, I'll be pulling like John Scott's name out of my fucking ass. Being like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there was an enforcer who was an all-star MVP. And <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he- it was a great talk. Um, definitely follow him on all social media. Um, check out his podcast. Um, it's a great show. Actually, if you're a wrestling fan, check out the episode with Rob Riggle. They talk wrestling for the first like half hour. It is so goddamn funny. Oh. But um, I'll have to check that out. Even if I'm not like a big wrestling fan, I still love Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle is just so funny. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I mean, we said there wasn't really much NHL talk. Um, so um, I did want to bring up something though that um, we, the rest of the vendors did that. I mean, not Tanner, but you know, the, he showed up. The oh, other two, right. yeah, the other two couldn't be here. Um, Poets is in London and Noli uh, just had something come up. Um, so we are, so the Windy City Benders Beer League team was lucky enough to be asked to play in a veterans hockey league. Um, this summer that helps raise money for um, just veteran, different veteran charities and all that. Um, it's a very cool league. Um, right now there's four teams. Um, it's very, very fun. Great. First time. It's not, it's not beer league. That's the thing. Like, you know, nobody's like, nobody hates each other. It's like you go out there, you have fun. It's like almost like a rat hockey. One of our past guests is on one of the other teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian yeah, Brian. No, no, Brian Moore doesn't play. He doesn't play for this one. Oh, oh, this is yeah. This is the one team that he yeah the one league yeah. But he plays for the Chicago Warriors, who's in the, yeah, our league. Played them so. Um. So last week, um, depending on your listening to this, um, last the day after the Bolin interview, I'll put it that way. Um, yes. they held their skills competition and all star game, and so. First off, I'm going to be 100% honest. When I saw Men's League doing a skills and all-star yeah. games, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, uh, okay, we'll see what this is about. This was some of the, like, the funnest day of Men's League hockey I think I've ever experienced. We um, So they did the skills competition was fastest skater, hardest shot, accuracy, um, and a shootout. Ooh. Did not know. Classic all-star like competition. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Did not know we had to do all four events. I thought we got to pick what we wanted to do. I show up and they uh, drop on the, yeah, you're so we'll call you for each event and do this. Wait, did every player have to do it or is it just a select few? So every player that wasn't in the all-star game got to do the skills competition. That wasn't or yes, was? wasn't. So oh. they kept the all-star game for the all-stars and then the skills competition were for the losers. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um no, so yeah, so it was in the skills competition was me, Noli, um, Roy. Um Poets actually came out and played goalie for it and they actually made him do the fastest skater as well. Nice. Um so yeah, I did this fastest skater and I immediately there's a picture they post on social media. It's like my first or second stride and just the look on my face. I'm like, this is fucking miserable. Are your ankles bending too? Oh, 100%. You should see the harder shot picture they posted. My ankle is just like, I thought I broke it. Um, you got to get that tape, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so the skills competition was great. Um, I do my one. My one complaint is um, they didn't let the two final shooters go one more round uh, for the shootout. It was me and another player. And, of course, we're shooting on Potsy. Fucking beat Potsy. Had a wide open net, and I slid it wide. And I wanted one more shot, and so they gave him the they gave him the, the award for it. Um, and then the All Star game was just awesome. Um, we uh, Poets Poets played that in that for uh, for us. Um, so did our buddy Dice. He's he's been on the show before. Um, Sarge, who uh, you know, Mister, hey, you should get him on the pod. He was uh, one of our All Stars as well. He's got to buy beer for the rest of the year now. Um, him on the pod <laughs> but um yeah so i just wanted to basically just throw a shout out to the league um alex martinez he uh he's the goalie for the level zero team um him and his wife have been pretty much running this whole thing um and they've put on such an amazing thing and it's i think none of us we talk in the locker room i don't think we've ever had so much fun playing beer league 
Um, it's been a real like honor being in this and they just really make us feel like, you know, important out there, you know, kind of thing. Like it's just, it sounds so, so it just sounds like kind of weird if you don't play beer league, but Dude, you're a beer league all-star. Exactly. Actually, no, you're, I'm a, I'm a beer league skills competition, but yeah. <laughs> Um, but are. yeah, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, a, it's a really cool experience really for an awesome cause. Um, I know they're going to be doing a, a next summer. They're going to be doing fall and winter showcases for teams that might be interested in playing. So they'll come in and they'll play the four teams that are in the league now to kind of see if they want to play. Um, so I just want to shout out Alex Martinez. Um, great job. Keep it up. Uh, we're playing you tomorrow. So, um, let me score a couple on you to make up for uh, making me do that um, that uh, fastest listen, skater. Listen to the pod before the game. Yeah, bro. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, with that, I think uh, you got anything else, Tanner? Uh, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. All right, so okay. so All right. for uh, for Jerem and Tanner, um, yeah. this is and Posey and Noli. <laughs> Um, thanks for tuning in and, uh, we will, uh, see you next week. Absolutely. Love it, boys. See ya. Follow the boys on Twitter at WCB podcast on Instagram at WCB podcast and like them on Facebook, the Windy City Badgers podcast.